The popcorn you're eating has been pissed in. Film at 11. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. And transpire out! Freak! Two! Belong in the circus. <laughs> right next to the dog-faced boy. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, oh. It's a super prize package worth $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Yeah, goddamn lucky he didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. Keep away! Keep away from me! You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish. Stupid. You have no taste, allows sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, let's go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Julia, shut up. I say shut up! It's a man! A man! Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to Two True Freaks. It's Commentary Monthly Monday, and it's Commentary Monthly Monday on the month of October, Halloween month, my favorite holiday. And joining me is Scott Gardner. Hello. Who's eating beans? <laughs> I am too. So later on in the podcast, because this is a decent length movie, we'll be saying, listen to them, the children of the night. What sad music they make. <laughs> yeah, sad music for your family, man. <laughs> That's the saddest song of all in the Gardner household. <laughs> what silent but deadly music they make. <laughs> um, well, if you haven't guessed and seen the big picture that goes along with the show, we're doing Dracula. Dracula, 1979. Exactly, but same Dracula, there could be so many different Draculas. I'm trying to think of what, what kind of spurred this. I know one of the things that kind of spurred it was uh, a while back, Mike Bailey and I did a commentary for um, Hero at Large. God, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And there's a shot in that movie of, I think it was Times Square, if I'm not mistaken, and there was the giant... Uh, advertisement, um, not not quite a billboard, but you know one of those great big poster advertisement things for this movie. And I was like, oh man, I haven't seen that in years. I love that movie, so it just kind of got me to thinking about it. But it's been on my mind for a while, and I, I've been long due for a rewatch of it. And this this is one of those soundtracks that uh, that I pull out and listen to every now and again because I, I think it's one of uh, Williams. Uh, better and more underrated scores but we'll get into all that in a little bit mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, I really, you know, I really noticed it this time. You know, what was really funny is uh, speaking of Michael Bailey. He and I recorded together for uh, Comics Monthly Monday, and uh, I was telling him before we got started, I was like. You know, I was listening to, to Star Trek Monthly Monday today, and right at the beginning of the of that episode, um, before you had introduced um, Scott McGregor, you you were making fun of me. You're like, "Oh, Scott Gardner's sick and everything." I was like, "How the hell did he know I was sick?" I was like, "That's not the reason I gave him why I couldn't make the show because that's that's not really why I couldn't make it. It's, I couldn't I, make it because I, I was busy exactly with work. Why? Well, it's because I posted, you posted it on, the word yeah. "sick" on yeah. Facebook. I totally Period. forgot about that. So it was really funny because um, I, I was actually really, really sick, but that's not the reason why I couldn't make the show. I just I couldn't make it because I was just swamped with work. But uh, it just sounds better on the on the show. To, <laughs> it's easier to pick. It's not like you can't be like, oh, is he working? Oh, what's he doing? Supporting his family? Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it just doesn't work. You know. I'm glad to hear you say that. Is he, is he putting food in his children's mouths? <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> I had something. I don't I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the flu or what, but man, I was I had something that was just it just laid me out. But uh feeling feeling much better now. I'm up and I'm perky, so there you go. Oh okay, TMI man. <laughs> <laughs> You have too vivid of an imagination. I was just going to say, that's what she said. (laughs) Before we get going, I know that you wanted to talk about somebody that I wanted to talk about, so let's talk about them together. Okay. Oh, you mean that... Oh, no, not the person we're going to shit talk. (laughs) No, I got some mail today. This is... Talk about, like, great timing, but I had a, a, a... a little tiny package in the mail, and I opened it up. You and your little tiny packages. Surprise. <laughs> yes, but that's what happens. You open it up, and you get a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the photo novel of Love at First Bite, <laughs> starring George Hamilton as Dracula. I have not seen that movie in years and years and years. I know, that's one of that I'm, I'm kind of due for a rewatch of too. It was during the time of the Richard Benjamin, you know, as the comedic lead man and mm-hmm. sort of second tier movies. But this movie was pretty funny mm-hmm. because Dracula actually turned out to be the good guy. You know, he turned out to be the guy who actually should have ended up with the girl and and. Uh, you know, Harker was just kind of well. This is how that's how it usually is in Dracula. Harker's usually kind of a tool, <laughs> and uh, and Dracula is the one who's you know he's smart, he's intelligent, he's rich, and this time he ends up with the girl, and she's just like, see a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it turns out to be just sort of like a cheesy romance at the disco, but with Dracula. And it's good. I I forgot that it was a photo novel, and you cannot go wrong with Chris Honeywell and photo novels. I love them all. I don't care if it's, you know, moment by moment with Lily Tomlin and John Travolta. <laughs> I'll take the photo novel for that. Now, is he the one that also just sent you the Frankenstein book? Yes. Yeah. Because he had of- offered that to me, and I was so tempted to take it. 
but I knew that you would really, really enjoy that. Oh, yeah, that's a, that was a holy grail for me. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. That's another perfect Halloween timing. Yeah, I remember that. I think that book. I always remember you could buy that and Dracula. You probably could get all the Universal monsters in it in the back of like um, Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine. The same place they would sell the eight millimeter monster movies, and uh, they had it at the elementary school library in uh, in Carthage. And I always used to read it. You know, um, you know, we have our buddy uh, Luke Giaconetti that that does a show about giant monsters. I wonder if anybody's doing a show or has done any shows about like the Universal monsters. Universal monsters. Somebody that would be a lot of fun. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I wish we weren't so swamped with everything right now because that would be a no. lot of fun to do like Monster Month, but focus on them. You know, whether it's actually Universal or not. You know the ones that everybody has come to call the Universal monsters. You know your 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 Frankenstein and Dracula and Gilman. Wolfman and yeah, because I would love to do some stuff. You know, because well, what do we do? We did the Monster we did Squad, Monster didn't we? Squad. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, I love Monster that movie. Squad. Yeah, Monster we did Squad. It good. But uh, but there are some other ones that I'd I'd really enjoy doing because uh, there's a couple of the the you know the actual. Universal ones that I really really like because I like Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. I think it's a pretty good movie, mm-hmm. but uh, but I'm kind of scattered all over the place when it comes to like my favorite version of particular monsters because like my favorite um, Frankenstein is actually one of the Hammers, and then I don't really know that I have a favorite when it comes to like the second tier ones like your Mummy and your Wolfman and all that. But uh, if we have time. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen any of the Mummy movies, to tell you the truth. I never had much interest in it as a monster that scared me. I think I've seen... I don't remember it very well, but I think I've seen the original Karloff one, and then wasn't there a, at least one Hammer Mummy movie? There was a Peter... Yeah, Peter Cushing was the... was there. The, actually, the one creepy Mummy picture that I ever remember seeing was Peter Cushing as the Mummy. Was it Peter Cushing, was, or was it Christopher Lee? I'm I have pretty sure. Well, it might have been Christopher Lee. Because I, maybe I it was, know maybe it was Christopher Lee coming at at Peter Cushing. <clears throat> but, I, you know, I have to find out. Because I, I seem picture, to recall the same picture. Mon- yeah, yeah, famous and, monsters. Yeah, and it's like popping a hole in him in his chest, and you see like that the chest is just a hollow cavity. You know, it's just all you know. He's just like he's made out of paper mache. But he's got, you know, the human face with oatmeal makeup on it. Right. That was creepy. But, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a Mummy movie. Not even the new Mummy movies. Well, I don't know if we'll have time to do it because time has not been our friend lately. But uh, Michael Bailey and I were talking about if we have time to do it, we wanted to try to do a... um, Halloween special comic book based and we were wanting to talk about some horror comics and it's funny that I, you know, I'm with you I, the mummy's one of those ones I'm always like nah the mummy you know, I mean, how, how, you know how scary or how intimidating is the mummy but one of my favorite horror comics was always the old um, it was called the living mummy but that wasn't the name of the mm-hmm. book it was what was it supernatural thrillers I think was the name of the or, book from Marvel supernatural tales or something yeah. like that 
oh my god, was that a good book. Really, really good. And it, again, it was about a, a stupid mummy shambling around. You would think, oh, that's got to be really boring. But a lot of what really made it was the art was fantastic in that run. It was really good. But the story was good, too. I think the only mummy movie I've ever seen is Bubba Hotep, which is awesome. You gave me a copy of that, and I still haven't watched that movie. Oh, I need to get around to it. You're in for a treat when you do sit down to watch it. Bruce Campbell is Elvis. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, and it's and it's not done as a, it's not done as for cheap. You know, it's not like oh, you know, it sounds cheesy and kind of hipstery, mm-hmm. but he like seriously is like I'm gonna approach this as if I was really Elvis Presley on his, you know, deathbed. It's good. <laughs> It's funny, but sad. Well, speaking of uh, of Mark Comeback, I too have gotten some stuff in the mail lately, and uh, man, I was very, very happy with uh, with the stuff that he sent. He sent me a little package the other day, and it just had a couple of things in it. One of them was kind of strange because I was like, "Hmm, I already have this book," and he knows I already have this book, so I'm not sure. Why he sent it to me, other than maybe he's hoping I'll give it a good home or something, I'm not sure. But I was happy to have another copy. It's uh, the official Overstreet uh, comic book price guide. I forget what year this is. Let's see. Well, this must be uh, must be 88, because it's the golden anniversary of Superman. So, yeah, that would be 1988 edition. This is uh, number 18. It's got a really, really nice... Um, you know, I thought that this was a jerry ordway cover but it's actually signed by lb cole whoever the hell that is but anyway it's a really nice cover it's got superman busting chains across his chest and then in the lower portion of it, it's like this futuristic uh train driving by and you've got the uh perisphere and the trilon from the uh the old 1939 world's fair in the background it's actually really cool but uh but i do ha- i'm I, at least i think i have a copy of this i don't know i'll have to look it up to make sure but i'm pretty sure i do have a copy of this the thing that was really cool in here, though, he sent me... This is going way, way, way back. This is a uh, a CD-ROM from from 96 that uh, I always wanted a copy of, and I never did get a copy of it, and he sent it to me. It's the Walt Disney World Explorer. And uh, I remember this. I've seen it around. I had a friend that, that had a copy, but I never had a copy of it, and I always wanted one. So it's I'm uh, looking forward to digging into that. It's just one of those, like educational style cd-roms you know where you can kind of uh-huh. like virtually explore a place but in this particular case the place you can virtually explore is is walt disney world and it being you know era you know the around uh, 1996 it's going to of course have a whole bunch of stuff that you know is way different or it's not different, there yeah. anymore that sort of thing so I'm really looking forward to digging into that and then i'm surprised there isn't a virtual disney world online like second life or something i i know that there are some in uh like minecraft but oh, oh yeah that, oh my yeah. god beyond that i i don't really know much about it but uh but logan but show, he shows me videos built. yeah yeah and you know of course now with uh uh what do you call it disney infinity out there i'm sure that there's people that are you know hard at work creating you know virtual disney world for for infinity you know where you can whatever battle in it or race in it or something like that i just still want to hoping, walk around in it <laughs> yeah i'm still hoping santa's gonna bring us the uh the infinity for christmas hoping that's gonna happen but uh, i got another package from him a couple of days later and this one was really cool too a couple really good books in here right up my alley 
got a book here by Diana or Diane. <laughs> a very unfortunate last name of Ho. H O H. At least I presume that's how it's pronounced. But uh, I've seen this book around, but I do not believe I've ever read it or that I have it in my own collection. But it's called Titanic The Long Night. And uh, like I say, I've seen it around, and uh, I don't believe that this is one that I've read. So I'm really looking forward to checking this one out and see what cool. the whole deal is with it. It kind of looks like it might be like one of those like like teen novels like for young girls or something. But it's hard to tell. I'm j- I'm judging it strictly by the cover that's on it. It almost looks like a romance novel cover type of thing, but could be cool. Need to check that one out. The other book that was in there, this was really, really cool. I was like, oh, wow, this is really neat. I'm trying to find if there's a year. Here we are. Copyright on this is 1959. So this one's way, way, way back. This is Walt Disney's True Life Adventures. And it covers a bunch of the actual true life adventure films. It's got uh, Nature's Half Acre, Seal Island, which was uh, pretty sure that was an Academy Award winner, if I'm not mistaken. Beaver Valley and Bear Country. And, I want to go to Beaver Valley. <laughs> it just it looks really really good. I love the pictures in here, full color pictures, and. Uh, I don't know that I've ever talked about this on the show before, but I'm actually a huge fan of Walt Disney's True Life Adventure uh, films. I I think they're fantastic. They basically were the the forerunner of today's, like, Animal Planet and, you know, Mm -hmm. the Nature Channel and stuff like that. National Geographic World. Yeah, he he basically created the the nature documentary, you know, the animal documentary, and... uh, I've watched them. I have them all on uh, DVD, and I love them. I think they're really, really fantastic films. So uh, thank you so much, Mark. I, I'm really, really happy with this. I, I'm, I don't know if you just sent it to me because it just had the name Disney on it or what, but totally up my alley. I think this is really, really cool. Yeah, it says here on the back that there's uh, there's more books in this series. I'm going to have to try to find those because it also has Living Desert and Vanishing Prairie, which I really like too. Um some of these I have managed to find um, the soundtracks to because some of these they put them out on actual vinyl soundtracks back in the oh, wow. 60s. Ooh. Fantastic stuff. I mean, really, really good stuff for its day. You know, just just scores. But uh, I really enjoy I'm trying to remember who it was. That, I want to say Buddy Baker, but I could be wrong. But some Well, they're, probably, they're classic soundtrack scores. Oh, yeah. They, have, they shift tone. Almost constantly, you know, there'll be a comic sort right. of thing where the birds hopping around, and then all right. of a sudden, you hear looming dangers, a predator nears. Well, you know, those of us that are that are into like film music and stuff, you, you tend to think of, you know, music being a character or music telling the tale being mm-hmm. a fairly modern convention. You know, that started say like with Jaws, where essentially the music was the shark. But you go back and you watch like these true life adventure films, and you got to remember, you know, you're watching, uh, uh, you know, the the very first nature documentaries. Your characters didn't speak, so the music spoke for them. So, like what you're describing, you know, when it was a little comedic moment, you'd have a little comedic ditty in the background, and you know, there's there's some like for example, there's one with uh, some po- some uh, polar bear cubs at play, and they would like fall and slide mm-hmm. down a, a snowy hill and the music would kind of make like a slide type you know to to give you the feel of the scene 
And I love that. I mean, that's film scoring at its purest right there. And it, and it helps and enhances the uh, the storytelling that was going on in those documentaries. A lot of fun. I, I really get a kick out of those. And, uh, you know, good, good, clean, wholesome stuff for the kids to watch, too. Because I, I sat and watched them with, uh, with my kids when they were younger, and I thought, well, they're either going to like these or they're going to be bored out of their minds. And they were glued. You know, I mean, they hold up 50 years later. They Not like all the sex children. and smut on Shark Week <laughs> there you go. these days. <laughs> well, moving right along, I want to also give a shout out because I got a massive, massive box of books in the mail. And, you know, if I haven't said this before, I am serious when I say I don't think that there's a kinder gift you can give to somebody than a book. So getting books in the mail has just been awesome. I mean, I love getting, you know, all kinds of weird stuff from the listeners in the mail, you know, comics and whatnot. But books. Unless it, yeah, only second only to books, a brick of money. <laughs> I thought you were going to say porno. Well, hmm. So here's the note <laughs> that came with this about one. That. <laughs> and, you know, I, I failed to make a note here what the shipping was on this, but I know it had to be crazy. But uh, here's the note that came with it. So, Scott, please enjoy all of the enclosed books as spoils from my day job and feel free to mail them to Chris or give them away as you see fit. They are yours to enjoy best. And this is from Nick Martorelli. And check out this stuff, man. Here's the first deck. Ah, there we go. So, we've got... Star We're going to have Wars. to figure out how to deal with all these uh, <laughs> these comics that we need to redistribute sometime soon in the show. I'm saying it on That's the true. air so everybody can remind us of that because, yep. yeah, between this and, like, Kelly Logan stuff, mm-hmm. we're piling them up, man. I'm telling you what, man. I'm overrun. Either that or we have to, like, found – we have to get a rich listener who will, like – Buy up some property and erect the two true freaks live, you know, nerd library, where <laughs> we can just store them all in a giant, um, you know, vacuum sealed, temperature controlled room. So here's here's the stack. Here's stack one right here. Some great stuff here. I'm looking forward to these. Star Wars Red Harvest by Joe Schreiber. It says here he's the author of Star Wars Death Troopers, which we actually reviewed on the show with uh, Ken Morgan about, oh, 100 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. But we right. really liked that book. And I don't know if this is a sequel, a prequel. I, I don't know if it's tied in with that at all. But it looks like it's probably related to that other book because there's like a zombie hand holding a red lightsaber on the cover. Looks really cool. So I, I need to check that one out, see what that's all about. Star Wars, The Old Republic Deceived by Paul S. Kemp. I don't know nothing about Old Republic stuff, but uh, Scotty is really into those games, so I might pass this one along to him and uh, and let him check it out, because uh, I showed him it the other day, and he seemed really interested in it. So I'll let him read it and tell me if it's any good or not. Then another one here. I know nothing about this, but I love the cover on it. Star Wars Scourge by Jeff Grubb. Scourge. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool looking cover on it. It looks like the character from um, ah crap. What's the name of those games Scotty's been playing about the the dude that goes Super back Mario Brothers? Like, no, he Monkey goes back Kong. to like 
middle medieval England and he's jumping and flipping and climbing buildings and running along rooftops and beating the hell out of people and ah oh well anyway dig dug lightsaber <laughs> yeah that was it dig dug um moving right along star wars fate of the jedi conviction by aaron alston and uh aaron alston who actually sat with us on a panel at uh yes. DragCon, as i always like to point out and uh i am quickly approaching fate of the jedi because i am whipping through the uh, legacy of the force book so it won't be long before i'm getting to this series and i'm going to need copies of these books so cool moving right along this is an oversized paperback. Love the cover on this. This is Last Days of Krypton by uh, Jay Anderson. I'm going to keep this because I really have wanted a copy of this book, although I have actually already read this. I listened to it as an audio book, and frankly, I thought it sucked. But I want a copy for my collection because I am a completist after all. Uh, Kevin J. Anderson, very, very hit and miss with me, and this was definitely a miss. I really didn't care for it very much. However, I'm very curious about the next book here, which is also an oversized uh, paperback, Enemies and Allies by Kevin J. Anderson. And this is the one about Batman and uh, Superman of the 1950s teaming up to deal with... uh, I don't know, communist or something, but it, it sounds really cool because it sounds like it's set right in that like Red Scare era. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. But uh, let's see, it says here a fun read: Superman and Batman meet in the retro-flavored novel uh, set amid the Cold War sensibilities of the 1950s. So it could be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to reading that one. I, I will definitely give it a shot because I like Kevin J. Anderson's writing style. I just didn't care for that Last Days of Krypton one very much. Here we go. Pristine hardback editions, oversized, of Cowboys and Aliens, the comic book. And he sent me two copies, so I'm going to pass one of these along to you, my friend. This looks really nice. Original cover price on this was $25. Yikeroony. Nice. I mean, really nice hardcover editions. Here's another one I'm going to pass along to you because this looks to me like it is right up your alley. Ooh. This is a uh, oversized, uh, like a trade paperback type of thing. Original price on this, 19 bucks. Legal action comics. And this one looks like a riot. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I think you will get a kick out of this because the art style, the story style, it's totally uh, underground style. I think you will get, oh, there's a, okay, that's rude. But I think you'll get okay, a good. I'm sounding so. sounding favorable. <laughs> and here's another one I'm going to pass along to you. It's called Future Noir: The Making of Blade Runner, Ooh. 25th Anniversary Edition. Oh and yeah, nice big fat, um, oversized uh, paperback edition of this. I it love actually looks really books. cool. Good pictures, lots of storyboards. Um. It looks cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna thumb through it before I send it along. But uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not the Blade Runner fan I used to be when I was. I loved this movie when I was a kid, and somewhere along the line, it just kind of I just kind of fell out of love with it. But uh, still, I still respect its place in you know in cinematic history and all that sort of thing. All right. So, in the interest of time and moving things along, here's the other stack. Okay, <laughs> first one right here. This is the only miss. This was the only clunker in the whole bunch here. We've got Man of Steel, The Early Years, the junior novel. 
And uh, it's got the great big stupid looking new Superman on there on the cover with his trunkless uh, whatever. But, you know, <laughs> I'm still going to say thanks to Nick because, you know, every once in a while, despite how hard we try never to let it happen, we do run low on TP around the house. So this one will be kept right side the toilet just in case. You know what I'm saying? Moving right along, we've got Space Race. The epic battle between America and the Soviet Union for domination of space by uh, Deborah Cadbury looks really cool. And of course, that subject right up my oh, right here I see mentioned on the back in big old letters Warner von Braun. Okay, I'm sold. I'm there. I love books on that subject. One here, Skywalking: An Astronaut's Memoir by Tom Jones. I had no idea that Tom Jones went into space, but I no, think it's that's not awesome. unusual for Tom Jones to go into space. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope he sang with these hands while he was out there, but uh, but no, it looks really cool. I have no idea who astronaut Tom Jones is. He's not one of the 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 classic guys that I'm familiar. Oh, okay, he's a he's, it was a space shuttle astronaut. Okay, space shuttle era looks cool though. I will definitely check that out. Here we go. Here we go. I'm saving the best for the ones I got most excited for for last. Here we go. Knowing the score. Film composers talk about the art, craft, blood, sweat, and tears of writing for cinema by David Morgan. And it's got, I'm pretty sure, that this is Jerry Goldsmith right here on the cover. But there you go, right up my alley, all about film scores, interviewing all kinds of people. you got Elmer Bernstein, Carter Burwell, Patrick Doyle, Elliot Goldenthal. Oh, here we go, Jerry Goldsmith, Mark Isham. Is Mark Coney? Uh, it doesn't say, but it says, and others at the end, but you got Michael Kamen, Alan Menken, David Shire, and others, it says, so I am looking forward to that, because I, I, I love all these guys. Really, really good composer. Here we go. This was the book that had me most excited when I pulled it out. I, was, I just was geeking out when I pulled this out of the box. This one is by uh, Francis Wilson. It's called How to Survive the Titanic, or... The Sinking of J. Bruce Ismay. And anybody that listened to my uh, Titanic show that I put out last year knows that one of the figures that I'm most fascinated with from the Titanic disaster is J. Bruce Ismay. So I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to this. I, I've never even heard of this book, so I definitely don't have it in my own collection. Uh, really looking forward to it, although I, I'm a little bit nervous only in the aspect that I hope it's not a hit piece. But I'm thinking if the whole book is about him, then hopefully it won't be. You know, that, that'd be an awful right. lot to write a hit piece, you know, an entire novel, yeah. an entire book, just to say, what a scumbag, you know. So I'm, I'm hoping that it takes a, you know, I'm sure it'll take an honest look at him, but I'm hoping it's not entirely just, you know, just like I say, a hit piece. But uh, it sounds really cool. And lastly, this one I'm also very interested in, because I'm not sure if I've read this one before. Voyagers of the Titanic says passengers, sailors, shipbuilders, aristocrats. I always want to say aristocrats. Aristocrats and the the worlds they came from by Richard Davenport Hines, the ketchup guy. And uh, looks very, very cool. And actually, there's a whole bunch of new pictures in here that I have not seen. You know, because it's very rare with Titanic books if they have pictures. For them to have anything that I've never seen that before. That you've never seen you know? before. Where there being like nine gazillion Titanic books, 
and photography not being, you know, it's still, I mean, photography was still in its infancy back in 1912, so there's really not a whole lot of pictures to be had, but uh, yeah, there are definitely a couple in here that I don't believe I've seen before, but uh, really looking forward to that one too, so... All kinds of fun stuff to do book reports on and stuff, but I'm really I'm most looking forward to those Titanic novels, especially the uh, the Ismay one. That should be a lot of fun. But God, we've done what like a half an hour now just talking about books. So maybe we should get into the into the meat of the episode. We would say into the blood of the episode. You ready to dive right in, or how do you want to handle re- this thing? I'm ready to dive right in. All right, turn into a bat and fly right into this movie. <laughs> All right, so anybody who's listened, you know the score. I'm going to count down from three. We've got our copies of Dracula 1979 paused and ready to go at zero. And when I say go, you hit play on your little button on your computer or your remote or I don't know, however you people do it. (laughs) All right, three... Two, one, three. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And now I gotta reset again. Uh, sorry. Oh, I wish you could count. Alright, let's do it again. I, I, I like my finger would twitch and. <laughs> Alright. Don't be jumping the gun now. Alright, relax, Chris. Relax. Get relax. it right. It'll be okay. Three, two, one, go. Go. Pretty stars. Is this a space movie? Universe. That's funny. You're not a horror movie guy. No. But three of the horror movies that I know that that I know you really enjoy contain vampires. So are you a vampire fan? Well, that's the funny thing is that you know until vampires became completely wussified i actually used right. to kind of deal you know i used to kind of dig on vampire but the thing with me and vampires though is that like in the what was it like the mid to late 80s there was a whole slew of in my opinion anyway really shitty vampire movies because they didn't they weren't like traditional vampires you know what i mean I like mm-hmm. my vampires where they're like this, yes. where they they obey the the lore. Now I know that there's conflicts here and there with the you know so-called established lore of vampires, but you know I'm I'm talking like the vampire that we all kind of think of in our you know collective subconscious or whatever you call it. You know they're afraid of the sun. You know you can stake them through the heart. If you pull the stake out, they come back and. You know, they're afraid of a crucifix. And- yeah, I, I'll, I'll accept varying levels of afraid of a crucifix, but still, like, if you find a new vampire, usually a crucifix will do them in, but you get the strong ones and they can... But, you know, there was uh, there was the Lost Boys, and I can't believe I'm going to reference mm-hmm. that stupid movie, but there was the Lost Boys came out in whatever that was, was mid to late... Huh? I love this animated in lightning here in the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> I, I actually I love it. It's like this I do is, too. This, this reminds me a lot of not really scenes in the Coppola one, but the state, the very the way it's composed and the the drama of it. Well, we were talking before uh, before we got going here before we started recording that uh, I, we're each actually going to be doing compare and contrast with other movies because you had said that you wanted to compare and contrast it a little bit with the Coppola version, which actually I've never seen. 
I am always struck with the strong uh, similarities between this version of Dracula and Fright Night, which came along yes. a few years later in, what year was that? About 84, I think? Mm-hmm. Fright Night? 84, 86? Something like that. Because Fright Night starts exactly the same way with the wolf cry that this one starts. I always got a kick out of that. I think this one's got some excellent cinematography in it, too. Yes. Well, this one, this one's directed by John Badham, who's a really good director. He's not, he's, he's, oh, jeez. Okay, so he did, um, War Games was one that. That's right, yeah. And, um, Saturday Night Fever. Oh, what else? Oh, um, Short Circuit. He did that one. So he does, like, he's, he's almost, I don't want to compare him to, like, a light Spielberg, like Joe Dante or something like that, because he's more... He's like a serious filmmaker that makes really well thought out movies, but sometimes he's hit and miss. He's had a lot of like that were sort of hits, you know. Those ones I remember are the ones because oh, Blue Thunder was another one that he did, and so yeah, he's just he's generally he's he's a good he always seems to get good actors, you know. He's a really good director. Um. This movie reminds me of, you know, the 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 cinematography is beautiful, the set design is beautiful, but it's not very compared to the Coppola one. It's not very ostentatious. It's ostentatious. It's sort of shot like a high budget episode of like masterpiece theater. Yeah, which is not to say it's that's a that's not a criticism. It's it's very straightforward and it's. It's well. This is an uh, uh, and the the Coppola one was Bram Stoker's Dracula, which was an adaptation of the book. This is a stage play, right? Which changes it conglomerates a lot of locations into one place, right? To make it into a stage play, and it works really well. It kind of actually, you know, streams streamlines the story in a really good way. So. You know, so you have a lot of stuff happening around the asylum and and uh, not, you know, Transylvania. <laughs> like in the movie, you know, there was a whole prelude in Transylvania. Then we were back in Britain and then we end it back in Transylvania. This one sort of puts everything together. So a lot of the scenes that were in the Count's Transylvania castle are in where he's staying in England. Right. And it works. It makes it a lot less, uh, um, you know, wordy and Victorian era novel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are. But despite what I said about it being sort of like sta- stagey in its presentation, which it is, it's sort of, you know, paying homage to the stage show. There are some when he pulls out the ostentatious moments he pulls them out he does some nice stylistic things in here i will be pointing them out left and right but what i think takes these visuals the next level is john williams john williams pulls a star wars on this it looks like her she's looking at a picture of vincent price there (laughs) i uh i i've long thought that this is, uh, a, like I say, a really good 
John Williams score. Um, underrated only in the sense I, I very rarely hear this one mentioned. You know, when people talk about the great John Williams scores, and I think this is actually one of his greats. But watching this again after so many years, I was struck by, wow, this film really, really needs, uh, you know, to be revisited as far as like one of those expanded or complete score releases. Because there's a ton of music in this, some really good music Mm -hmm. that's not on the commercially available album. And uh, the commercially available album is really good, but I was also noticing that it tends to be more like concert versions in the sense of the versions that are on the album, not exactly the same as the, the film versions, which was common for Williams, you know, back then anyway, that he would kind of redo them and, and, you know, tool Mm -hmm. them, you know, for the the album album release. Yeah. To fit and flow and, 45 minutes or 90 minutes if it was a double album. I imagine this wasn't a double album. No. No, this one doesn't play long at all. Maybe 45 minutes. Yeah. Whatever a standard album was back yeah, then. Yeah, for- 45 minutes. I don't think yeah. I ever had this as an album. I think I had this one strictly as a cassette, if I remember right. It's actually it's a soundtrack, so usually they could be a little longer because the louder the music the bigger the grooves right but this is a pretty lurid soundtrack this is like this has a lot of high high you know action moments in it right and you know you just can't say enough about what a john williams score can add to a movie oh yeah it adds a lot to this one i do And, and this is already a well it's this this isn't one of those things where it was like start well maybe it was I don't know about the production but it doesn't look like it from what you see where Star Wars was like they didn't know what to do with the film that Lucas gave them and and a lot of it came together in the editing and then putting the soundtrack to it just you know tied it all together and this one it just sort of adds an extra level of depth to it and you know, perks it up a lot. Action wise. It's it's a great score. One of the it's, things I've always liked about this score a lot is I, I always like listening to Williams quote unquote lesser scores or you know mm-hmm. lesser popular ones and listening for like the influences on it, like what else was he doing around this same time and kinda you can like in or an stuff auditory that sense, developed years later. Yeah, you can. I, you heard, can some, I heard some key in this one. Mm-hmm. I'll point it out when there's there's one point where it. I was just like, wow, this he he reached back into this for ET a little bit. Well, in the same year, he also did 1941, and then the very next year was The Empire Strikes Back. I hear a lot of Empire in this, particularly mm-hmm. Boba Fett's theme. There's a moment here that's coming up in a little while when uh, when Dracula comes to dinner that, oh my God, I mean, when he comes walking in in that scene, listen to the music in the background, it's Boba Fett. It's really cool. Except this Boba Fett is Dracula doesn't get eaten by a sarlacc like a sucker <laughs> I like that scene but I don't understand why Dracula was wearing a fur coat right there that was kind of because he was just a wolf it was a it uh, was the symbolic 
I got you. Wolfness of him. He was. He was, and that's why his fingers sort of came out. He was probably in transition from wolf to man. Some and I just want to say, got, in this. yeah, we were talking though over when it happened before, but in the very beginning, that bat that flies by is pretty cheesy. It, it, <laughs> it is sort of like um, um, love at first bite. Yeah, I love, and we're watching like a muted color version of it. Really adds to the chitty chitty bang bang. Um, we love you. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Pardon. Yeah, it's like chitty chitty bang bang. There's there's a scene very similar to this in the Coppola one, where they show the intersection of modern times coming into this era. You know, I love this, and Renfield's looking at his car is kind of like, oh, look at the fancy boy, and the girls are like, oh, look at the fancy boy, and. uh but um, in Coppola's, it's movies. You know, you see like the like a theater showing some of the first motion pictures in it. Mm-hmm. So you know, just to just to show that it was just you know, this is just the tail end of olden times. Yep. You know, and uh, I like that that it, it seems that that's very important to modern filmmakers to always tie that into Dracula's stories lately for some reason. Like Why the classic. Why are walking those horses around on the beach like that? To make it look like something's happening. <laughs> Walk this horse in a circle. Extra. Did you ever see the BBC Dracula that they always used to show on PBS? On, uh, um, you know, Halloween time? Excuse me. I don't, I don't know so. if they showed it in Masterpiece Theater. It was always during fun drives. It was three hours long. And it was like a BBC TV production of Dracula. And it was really good, but it was cheesy, too, because it was on video. Who was in that one? Or who played Dracula? I, I don't remember. But it had some great creepy scenes of him climbing up and down the castle wall and it was a straight up right along with the book sort of thing so you know so it had the creepy sisters and in dracula's castle and stuff this guy renfield reminds me of peter jackson and let me tell you i was so happy to remember that that donald pleasance was in this i was gonna ask you 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 like him don't you oh yeah he he's a well he's a well i mean he's a great repulsive character he's a great you know character is, actor yeah he's one of the most he's he's a shatner too because he's always acting but this is he the does only it movie with, i can think of off the top of my head that i've ever seen him in that i actually liked him i i never liked donald mayork no nah, see i i'm not a fan of that movie i i've seen it a couple of times and i i like parts of it, and I like Kurt Russell, but overall, I, I I don't really I don't really understand the appeal of that movie. It does have a good soundtrack, though. But yeah, I never. He was one of those ones uh, that weirded me out. Yeah, well, the, yeah, he's a little creepy guy. He's yeah, a little he is. Guy. Yeah, exactly. He's and, it's, and it's funny, and and he was in Halloween, you know, and he was the and, and it was funny. He was uh, basically doing the same job in in the Halloween movies. That he was in, that he's doing in here. He was, you know, from a from the loony bin. I love the look of this place. Yeah. Isn't this place great? Yeah, there's no place in the world that's ever looked like this except for 
Dracula. Look, I mean, look at that. Look at that <laughs> giant tiger stuffed on the. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, it's beautiful. And this guy's just like dum ba dum 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 dum. Yeah, this was his house supposedly. Oh really? Oh, that's right. See, I like in this Dracula doesn't have an actual coffin. He's just sleeping in a wooden crate full of dirt. I think that's really dirt. look at him. He's filthy. His hands are all filthy. Because that's it's not really a coffin that they need. Yeah, it's 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 just something filled with dirt. With the dirt of their native soil. Mm-hmm. He's all kind of tattered and everything too when he comes out. You know, like like a dead body would be. Well listen to that music. That's Boba Fett's theme. Yeah. It's great. I think Langella is great in this movie. It's funny because I remember this getting critically panned. A lot of it because of Langella, and a lot of hay was made about his hair. Right. Yeah, that and does take it down a peg because he's got a little bit too much of the. But they the always he's, right? and, you know, and the, the weekly bats also. That's a good shot of a bat. But that first from never sh- it never works with a bat from behind and any. Right. Bats are what I, you know. I almost think. Well, now that we have CG, okay, you can, you can still do it, but then it's got to be CG. But almost never in the old days should they have ever attempted to have a bat doing something, unless they had a real trained bat, which apparently you probably can't do. Because <laughs> well, bats don't the, fly like that. Bats. Fly, <laughs> have you ever watched a bat fly? They fly all over the friggin' place. They're like yeah. bugs, you know. Yeah. They yeah, don't, they don't, they don't fly yeah, gracefully don't fly. or in straight lines. Like somebody's got a string attached to the bottom of them and is quivering them while moving them too, so their wings wiggle. They they flap them like birds. But that guy always looks familiar to me, and I don't know if it's because I've seen this movie a million times, or I think he might be in one of my Titanic movies. Listen to this music. Yeah, Boba Fett's theme. What did I tell you? I love that. Ooh, she like him. Ooh, she like him, yes. Good evening, It's like the Dracula. I love it, because... And... and oh, I'll get to the big flaw right now of the Coppola movie, which I'm thinking might not be a flaw after watching this. Is in the role of Harker, he's got Keanu Reeves. <laughs> But then against Dracula, these guys cast young Jeff Foxworthy in the role. So what are you gonna do? Might be a vampire if. (laughs) But either way, Harker is a tool, man. Harker is like half a man. No, I actually like him in this. I didn't when I was a kid. I did think he was a tool, but watching it again now, I think he's got a legitimate. The Dracula just swoops in and and steals his woman. I'd be pissed too. Hell yeah, man! And and if you were his woman, if you were his woman, you'd take Dracula too, because this guy's just this like, you know, he's a mid-level lawyer, pencil pusher. You know, who's probably never going to ever, you know, look for anything like a clitoris or G-spot. <laughs> Dracula can look her deep in the eyes and give her the deep, the deep shivers, you know. 
Hi. I don't even have to touch you, and you feel good all over. So, you know, come on, man. And, and, and I think that purposely his character is like that to, you know, to just drive home the contrast, you know. And so then I started thinking, well, that Keanu Reeves is such a dumb, sh- schlub, like puppy dog sort of guy that casting him might have been kind of genius because, eh, he's not going to pass as... This guy passes as being, you know, of his time period. Keanu Reeves does not talk like he's <laughs> his time period. Langella, at first I was like, man, he just has his British accent, you know? Watch his eyes right here. Watch this, sh- this shiver thing he does with his eye. That's awesome. I love that. I don't care. They all frighten me. Wow. Maybe that's how he got the job. Do you? I mean, he does a really good job of being, you know, aristocratic. You know, like, you know, like royalty. And I yes. love these little looks he gives, like that one. You know, he's just he's just biding his time. He's going to work his way through everybody. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. He's nobody's a, near a match for him here at this. He's just toying with everybody. He's going to dance with all the girls. and Donald Pleasant's got crap all over the front of his, whatever that is, in front of his uh, shirt there, see? Well, we're going to see some more. I know, we're going to see some more sloppy eating by Donald Pleasant's later on. He's eating eggs, yeah. Yeah. He's a slop. Classic, disgusting... But they're like I love the background details, like that ship made of antlers behind them. And you know the trappings of the rich folks. I think the 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 butler's got a case of the quivers. Look at him, <laughs> poor. Guy. Whoa! Oh dear. He is great. He's so. Just creepy with not even doing much of anything. He's he's just great. Well, nobody would dare to... I mean, actually, that was sort of... nobody. I was going to say, nobody would dare do such an obvious thing with a vampire anymore as have him, you know, doing the little thing with his hand, you know, sweeping his hand away from his eye. Mm-hmm. But actually, then again, we just saw... That's how Qui-Gon Jinn worked in. <laughs> yeah, a little, little Jedi mind trick there. Yeah, yep. little hand, you know, and it is so... Sort of thing, but um, at first I was sort of like, "Why? Where's this Transylvania accent? You know, he's straight up British accent." I actually like that. I'm I'm really glad that they didn't try to go for because it would have come off as silly. I think it would have come off like there's a point where you hear a little bit of it, a little bit, yeah, talking about his past tour and stuff, and and you hear a little bit of it come back, so. I think he just played it way back so he could just drop out a little bit of it. Like, you know, when I start thinking about being back in time, I wonder if that's something he could just do with his eyes. Because that looked almost like it could be animated, you know, a little over it, you know. I don't know. It's weird. He's one of those actors that, like, I was like, I just didn't think he did much before or after this 
And then I looked him up, and I'm like, oh, he's been in all kinds of movies. Yeah, he's just. He, I, I don't. I can't think of anything where he was that like with his the veins, star. His you know. Hands. Hmm. Those scenes with his veins, with his veins on his hands, that yeah. was a great shot. That was really <laughs> nice and intense. Dude, he played Skeletor. Oh God, that's right. He's I played about Sherlock, that. He's played Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. He played Don Diego in a Zorro movie. He played Nixon. He was uh, Perry White in Superman Returns. Oh. So he's played a lot of iconic. Mm-hmm. Nerd roles. He was, I guess, he was in Deep Space Nine in a couple episodes too. Was he? Yeah. Hmm. According to his IMDb, wasn't he? I want to say maybe the vice president in Dave. He wanted to. He found out that Dave was impersonating the president and wanted to have him assassinated or something like that. Oh, I never saw that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I. Th- think that was him in that if i'm not mistaken was that that was a kevin klein movie yeah kevin here's, klein here's, sigourney weaver here's a scene from uh um fright night you know but except at the mm-hmm. disco or love at first bite which would have dude there are so life. there are so many parallels with, well they're all uh, dracula story they're all yeah. vampire no i mean and fright night was paying paying homage to all the freaking <laughs> But this is great. Just dance right in front of her boyfriend while he sits there and glares at you. And her, she's just like, sorry, dude. <laughs> and I like how he's like, oh, I don't, I'm not much of a dancer. Uh, <laughs> you dance divinely clunk as they plow into the furniture. <laughs> they got their money's worth out of the fog machine with this movie. That's for damn sure. So much potential in this scene. Scandalous. She sneaks out to to have a fling with her boyfriend in the the greenhouse. Scandalous! You're right, though. There is a lot of... uh, Wasted potential there. Yeah. Little double filet of fish action going on there. That would have... That's... You know, that's in the modern movies, so... (laughs) But yeah, you should really. Ch- I I'd really like to see what you thought of the Coppola epic. It's, it's I love the the theme that they had. The main theme to the movie was really really good because I remember there was some movie I can't remember what it was. the The trailer was uh, the music in the trailer was really good, and I was like, "Damn, what is this music?" And I finally tracked it down, and the music they were using was the the main theme to the Coppola, Coppola Dracula movie. It like just said, changes. I've never, I've never seen it. It just changes tone. It's like one of those movies. It's all over the place. You know, sometimes it's very Victorian. Sometimes it's very right. stagey. Sometimes the camera's whipping all over, and it's like a shadow puppet show. You know, and Gary Oldman is Dracula, and he looks weird, like a little old lady at the beginning when he's low on power. You know. Right. Yeah, it's you know there's just a lot of strange decisions made for it, but it's never for a second boring, you know. It's never there's never something non visually explosive going on on screen, but there's a lot of times where you're sitting there just going, "What did I just watch there?" You know, 
And then there's some scenes where it's just like, wow, that was pretty impressive. But it's it's all over the place, you know. We know and this one is this one keeps a continuous mood. You know, this right. one sets the the atmosphere and keeps it there, which makes it more engaging. You know, with the characters and and the story rather than the the visuals in it. And it and it plays a lot of Dracula cliches. That's cool. Whether it's lines or the way he, you know, his body language and stuff. And I mean, even having the cape with the high, mm-hmm. you know, that could be really cheesy if you don't hit just the right tone. And especially at this point, especially in this point in the movie, I mean. This is this is the tail end of the seventies, probably, you know, one of the high points for cynical movies, and to have Dracula who's saying good evening and listen, Children of the Night, and he's got his collar and cape, he turns into a bat. That's kind of actually daring, you know. That is so for, cool. This reminds me of Tomb of Dracula comics. This reminds me of. It's like funny Deep you Cullen. say that because I was just thinking. I wonder if. See, I like where he looks right here. At this us. reminds that me of Batman, cool. the TV that show. Creep me the hell out when he would do yeah, that. Yeah, what are you looking at? <laughs> exactly. And this but here I, reminds me of Tuma Dracula. Though I was wondering, for one thing, I can't remember what year Tuma Dracula folded. You know, because that that ran seventy issues, but I can't remember what what year it, it finally it was stopped. Probably but, before this. Yeah. I was wondering if either one influenced the other at all. You know what I mean? Because like you say, the comic was probably done by this point, but I wonder if the comic had any influence on the movie at all. But I, I don't know. See, I uh, I often wondered if after this movie, if that might be part of the reason why they changed... See, I like that too, where he's actually upside down. That's cool. <laughs> if possibly... Part of the reason that they changed up the look of Dracula in Marvel Comics might have been based on this, but I don't know. I don't. I can't remember if this movie did very well. I want to say that it. I don't think it did. I think there was a yeah. lot of hype for it, and this is like the iconic image of it of of the whole movie. But I think it got sort of criticized for being kind of hokey, you know. And Frank Langella's hair—they're just like, and he. I think he, you know done Saturday Night Fever, so there were a lot of like, oh, look, it's John Travolta Dracula, you know? Right. See, I think a lot of the reason this movie works is it it, it doesn't shy away from the cheesy, you know? But it does the cheesy really well. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, it's not campy cheese. It's cheese that's actually part of the the lore of it, which is exactly. funny because, you know, from the, the, well, it's, yeah, it's from the lore that, that began in the play. And, you know, I think a lot of, you know, Dracula's early costuming, I think, really came from Bela Lugosi. Mm-hmm. I think Bela Lugosi was like, when, you know, he was a guy who sort of, he made his fame doing it in the, in the play. And, you know, he'd been when he did it in the movie. I think he'd been doing the play for you know ten or fifteen years or something like. You know, he was a huge star 
because of it, he'd started doing it as a young man. He was a little older when he did when he did the movie. But I think he actually was the one who was like, ah, you know, he should have a cape and and this and and that. So it's not really even a creation of the book, right? It's it's just how people have interpreted it, and it's become canon. Also, the Renfield in the Coppola version is Tom Waits, which is awesome. Hmm. He plays a good bug-eating, you know, crazy person. This guy's not bad, although this guy's weird because he's kind of a chunky Renfield. I always picture Renfield as being skinny and golem-like. Well, I always was confused about the whole bug-eating thing. Was this something that he was already doing, or is this a symptom of him having become a, a minion of Dracula? I think it's, yeah, I think it's like maybe it's he's bit so he's sort of like half vampire or part vampire or he so just he needs he, to feed but he bugs are living you know right. what i mean living food so he can just like eat eat something that's alive but classic always should have bug eating although it's weird he seems to choke it down where usually renfield's like oh yummy yum 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 it should be like candy to him. It will not open. You have nothing to fear. I'm accustomed to buying my home. There are wolves. Yes, here's especially ridiculous. <laughs> Sometimes it's less ridiculous than other times. Yeah. It's it's just a little too poofy. It's a little no, it's a little too seventies, frankly. It's you know, he's got yeah. the the prell thing going on or whatever, but <laughs> To be honest, though, I, I, you know, I really do think that this is a fantastic movie. I honestly only have one uh, one beef with it. It's there's one scene in the entire movie that I, I think horribly, horribly dates it. Otherwise, I think it has kind of a, a timeless feel to it because it is yeah. a period piece, and I it's a, and it's it's an especially lavish period piece. They paid piece. a lot of attention. I mean. The little anti the the stuff that the the hardware of what these people have is mm-hmm. it, it's just ridiculous. You can see it in every scene. In this scene, you know, every fruit basket when they were on the ship, they had um, I can't now I can't for the life of me remember the name of them. But they're bottles, and they were either ceramic or glass. But they were made they were giant jugs. Made right. to be, you know, transport vinegar or whatever, but they were made like mason jars. Have... Is that what you're talking about? No, they're not mason jars. There's, there's a whole, there's a whole antique name for them. But they had, um, you know, webbing around them or, um, you know, woven, woven fiber around them to keep them from breaking in the ship. So people would actually right. weave like a little basket around them. And they had those in the, you know, in the ship, and they looked like the real thing, you know, looked like the real thing, and looked like they'd been around for a while. So, a lot of work, a lot of money put into this, and uh, very subtle lighting for for a horror movie. <laughs> breathe, damn you! <laughs> he starts smacking the hell out. Of breathe, I said. It's a good death scene right here, though. It's creepy and yes. convincing. It's a good death rattle. Oh my God, Rupa, she's dead. Yeah, yeah, I see sure that. Enough. 
And it's funny how quickly Donald Pleasance gets over this. I love the you see his character just like sort of goes from being like this is horrible to yeah, analytical mode. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, and to dinner where he's just like Rah. have my eggs. Yeah, looks like you need some Mercurochrome for those. <laughs> those are some pretty nice looking. Those look. Uh, those are some pretty. Ni- I I I hate it when they're little dots. You know. Right. Yeah. It, these look like infected mosquito bites. Not good. See, I love it. By this time, he's already eaten and. What the hell is that? It's just to make it food look... It's... It looks like that Star Trek episode where Riker was getting ready yes. to go to the Klingon ship, so he was eating, like, octopus and all that well, crazy stuff. Gawk! Remember those little, <laughs> those little toy sets that you used to get where you could pour plastic goop and make little thin rubber bugs? It looks like they, that's what they made this stuff what out of. Those called they're, like, trying, they're, they're going for slimes or something like that. What was yeah, it, yeah. What it's called? It, they're they're going for you know they they wanted it to look repulsive. It looks like eggs Benedict and giant olives or something. I don't yeah. know what the hell he's eating. Man. That's... But then again, we're watching the washed out color version, and washing the color out of food never makes it look good. <laughs> right? This this last shot of John Pleasant having some chow. You see, that's that's great characterization. This guy's a slob. And he's always good. And did you see where that slop of stuff went? Almost, it was going right to the same place on his chest. One does not simply just drive Chitty Chitty Bang Bang into Mordor. I just have to point that out. (laughs) Um, Count, do you want us to get anybody to do a little yard work around (laughs) here? Must be the maid's day off. Maybe trim trim the the nails on these uh, gargoyles out here. It looks like one of those bug things from episode two, doesn't it? Those flying yeah. mosquito things. He's he's got like Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> and a little bit of Clouseau mixed in with him. The way he's walking around here. Hello, hello. Miss <laughs> Get Yeah. Someone oh. knows more about the murder than he now, is doing. Do you ever walk into some place, calmly look at the rat to your right, and just sort of smile like, oh, you rat. <laughs> Hi, Mickey. Yeah, oh, it's a rat. Oh. <laughs> Do you ever enter anybody's house through their basement? Well, you know, twice at least in this movie, a door opens for somebody, they walk in, and then the door closes behind them, and they just kind of look like, hmm, how about Hello. that? It's the friggin' 19th century. You know, they're exactly. not quite a com- uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, used to this yet where doors open and close like, you know, like at the Walmart. I know, you know what else sucks? No vacuum cleaners. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, I was just scrubbing the floor up here. <laughs> that was pretty funny how he just popped up there. Hello. <laughs> See now in the in the book, all this is like 
This is stuff that happened. But see, this is very stagey. You know, it's that that whole set there looks like it would be a you know really nice set on a stage. Even the cobwebs from oh, the lookout. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. This is like three different portions of the haunted mansion all crammed together to make yeah. one room. It's really cool. Oh my god, how awesome would it be to well, just what's have with something? the with the giant like what what is that thing even supposed to, that face looks, behind him? It's like a giant Odin face or something. What the hell is that? And then behind him there, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Devil's Advocate where Al Pacino's the devil. I'm the devil. And he's got a wall with a sculpture of, like, writhing souls behind right, him. yeah. Not like that. Yeah. I but can't remember. Right what behind I, Harker there to his right looks like a Triceratops, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's, like it's a, a rhino. Oh, is that what it's Okay. A rhino head, maybe? I don't know. Well, no, they're not going to show it from that right, angle. Right, yeah. But there's a symbol on that giant head, too, that's familiar to me, but I can't remember where I've seen it before. But it's some, like, Egyptian symbol or something. But it's like you got this house. It's like one of those things you used to light at the drive-in to keep the mosquitoes away. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, he's doing the wax seal. I must be getting back now, Mr. Harker. And I like this that this scene sort of turns into. Uh, I didn't know what your girlfriend's kind of cute. <laughs> I like yeah, the he gives him. Nice little uh, stay at my house. Now run along. <laughs> what a prick! There he kind of reminds me of Khan. <laughs> Like space seed. Oh, I hate that. I hate that when I'm yes, trying I know. every time freaking lunatic jumps up from the back seat and tries to strangle me. I hate when that happens. Doesn't that seem like every time <laughs> he beats the shit out of him too? What I'm wondering is who's coming. There's like a car behind him. I keep seeing. Was there? Breathe, damn you, breathe. Maybe it was, <laughs> the, maybe it was the lights of the ca- castle. I've never heard a bat make that noise. That was more of a monkey noise, I think. It's like monkey mixed with flipper. <laughs> <laughs> and God, what the hell? You never watched the last Batman movie, did you? You lucky uh, dog. There, there was a scene with a set just like that where Bane broke Batman's back. But I love madhouses in these old movies old, where they just get to fuck like, the dirtiest, dirtiest, grimiest sets. Like, Look hey, we're scissors. Jeez. I know, we're going to cut your scissor- hair with these rusty scissors and just let the hair fall around your head on your pillow here. That preacher looks familiar, right? Yeah, another British character actor. Back up, a card. (laughs) (laughs) She is just fugly. Oh, the girl with the Google eyes? Yeah. She's she's a classic. Baby, baby! 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, she's got that classic, like, crazy lady. Like, as soon as you see those bug eyes, you know she's going to get a scene later on where they're ju- where she gets to go full so <laughs> you know? <laughs> but that, that's a nice spectacular shot behind him. It is. It's the same cemetery where uh, Jonathan Kent's buried. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. It, it's very similar to that scene in Superman the movie. Lucy, yeah, it is. Walking away from the cemetery. Oh, Lucy. Mina's father. Who are you supposed to be, Abraham Lincoln? He's arriving from Paris this evening, and we shall have to meet him. I'm afraid we shall be unable to take advantage. I of hope he's not a better actor than me. Invitation to dinner. It's Lawrence frickin' Olivier. He's really good in this, too. Oh, yeah, he's intense. He's always good. Yeah, I like him. He's, he plays good heavies. and Not that he's a heavy... He's But he's heavy-handed, and, you know, he's an intense character. Well, he's got some great looks that he gives. The, the little <laughs> stare-off between him and, uh, and Dracula in a couple of scenes are just great. But there's several scenes where you can just see him piecing it together. He doesn't say mm-hmm. anything or really do anything, but just the look he gives. I mean, he's such a good actor that just the look conveys everything, that he's yep. piecing it all together. Oh, yeah, his his head will just tilt slightly when somebody says a certain thing. And then they'll say something else and he'll blink, you know? Yeah, you mm-hmm. can see his thought process going. That looks like a painting. It looks like a Courier and Ives print or something. Yeah, it probably was. Back back in these days, they were still doing the the matte paintings and such. I like the look of the... Uh... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the Hogwarts Express. <laughs> but, yeah, there's... See, I'm going to be so disappointed when I finally do get to go to England for real that supposedly it doesn't really look like any of this. No, of course not. Well, this was also England during the Victorian era, so yeah. But it looks awesome. What'd they have to change it for? Oh, I'm sure they. I'm sure there's little historical parts of it where you can go, just like there is here. Yeah, he's got he's he's got a lot in common with Charlton Heston. Yeah, he you know? does. Yeah, he does. But he's just like the European Charlton Heston. <laughs> what in God's name could have happened? I don't know. I don't know. Was he, was he in? He was a Nazi in Boys in, from Brazil, wasn't he? I think so. I know he was the dentist in. Um, oh, that's what I'm thinking of. It. Yeah. Is it safe? Yeah. Uh, which I, I'm sad to say that other than the uh, the part where he was CGI'd into Sky Captain might be my only real exposure to uh, to uh, Lawrence Olivier. I, oh, I'm wow. trying to think of anything else. Because you know, he was long in the tooth by the time that we were yeah. growing up as kids. And I, I think he died not long after this movie, if I'm not mistaken. So I just never really had all that much exposure to him. But I think he's fantastic in this. I don't even know if they have just like huge castles like this hanging around in England. You sure know what they I mean? Do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 20 feet or so. Well, for one, I think the architect. 
the architecture is... Look at that troll Yeah, face. exactly. <laughs> it's like... I mean... I'd be like, uh... Yeah, I'll come back later. See, this is what I'm talking about. The door closes. I'd be like, let me the hell out now. She just takes it all casually. Oh, okay, automatic doors. Nice. I love this. You mean where the she's walking symbolism. into the spider web? Yeah, walking into the spider web, and the spider actually crawls right up onto her. Yeah, that's the, this is very. This is more of a tribute to like the un, old Universal movies, yes. you know? Yeah, right up onto her. That's great. Whereas up to this point, I felt more hammer-like in sort of the background setting. Yeah. That was very classic Universal scene. I think the look of the movie is very Hammer, but the dialogue is very universal, mm -hmm. and that's what yes. really works for this. Because Hammer didn't always do the best job with the the um, dialogue. Sometimes it was a little more of a you know for that visual era, it was a little, the mood. Yeah, it was more of a visual, but it was also more of a modern take, if you know what I mean. You know, modern yeah. for that time. And so they weren't quite as flowery and everything. One of the things I really like about this is it has flowery dialogue. It reads like a Marvel comic in a lot of ways, and I really like that. Well, these were also like upper-class, flowery people. Right. And they were taught to speak like that, too. So it's... Right. Well, what I mean, though, is that they don't, you know, not only do they speak in a very flowery way, but they, they don't they don't skimp on the dialogue. You know what I mean? They they really play these scenes well. And a lot of the dialogue that Dracula delivers in this is straight out of the 30, what year was that, the Lugosi one? That's 31, right? Something like that, early yeah. 30s. Because while I don't like that version... Because just because I don't really like Lugosi, he's become such a caricature that it's hard for me to watch that movie and take him at all seriously in that. Right. He does have some really good dialogue because several of the key pieces of dialogue that I love in this version with Langella pretty much the dialogue comes straight from that version. The yeah. part where he talks to uh, Van Helsing and you know says the thing about, you know, in 500 years, you know, many men have crossed my path and all that. And then there's a great scene later on They're all in dead. the catacombs where he says, you know, I am the king of my kind. That's a line right out of the original, mm -hmm. too. So there's a lot of stuff that comes from that. But I like his delivery. He almost looks like he has like that, what do they call that on the side of your face there? The, the Bell's palsy? Oh, I don't know. Scene. Yeah! <laughs> What are them Duke boys up to? What's going on? What's all this? Like the truncheon in his hand. <laughs> Go clubber. That guy, does, he's like about a Popeye. All he ever does is salute anybody that walks by him. Well, there's a guy with a teddy bear head on here. See, it's so convenient that they... That's the something you don't see in many movies either, is a dead baby. <laughs> she is Whoa. just one freaky-looking chick. Oh, she's half-fish, definitely. <laughs> she lives under the sea most of the time, and they bring her... That's why she's, you know... 
after the scene, they have to like spray her down with water to keep her skin moist so she doesn't shrivel up and die. Who is the father of this baby is what I want to know. Maybe Mr. Salute. Maybe he gave her a little more <laughs> than Salute. Salute! Salute. <laughs> I wish on YouTube that there was just... I was looking for actually that cut of just the hee-haw guys going, Salute! But that I couldn't find any that was didn't have them going, Into the town of sort. This is right out of a play. This That's is like the great. dark version of Romeo and Juliet. Yep. I love this scene. Children of the night. This dialogue is right out of the uh Oh yeah. Lugosi ver- or the um Yeah, Lugosi version. Oh it's the it's the iconic dialogue and it's like they took this scene and they said it's like the you know, hark what light through yonder window breaks speech. <laughs> it is a brick. <laughs> but um you know, this is very stagey. This is, you know, mm-hmm. saying, here it is. This is the, you know, an important scene to an iconic scene of Dracula that we're doing now. And I like that. They do that a lot in this. But do you like him as Dracula? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think he's really... No, cool. I- I'm always, when I first go into this movie, I'm like, all right, let's see. And then it's just like, and then I remember. Because I think the first time I saw this was like 15. You no, know, it's funny. We, 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 didn't... Ago, we lived together on Monroe Avenue. That I was the you... first time you saw it? Yeah, you, because uh, I always scoffed at this because it was such a big flop and I was like not interested. And in, I'd heard it was horrible and you were like, no, it's actually really good. It's probably the best Dracula movie yet. And. I probably around Halloween you broke it out and we watched it and I was just like, damn, that was good. Huh. I didn't realize that was your first thing. I just realized that we didn't do our standard, okay, when did you discover this movie type of thing. I don't know for sure when I discovered it. I'm pretty sure that this had to be um, an HBO discovery because I can't see, for one, I can't see my parents taking me to a movie like this in 79, but also... I don't think they would have been, either one of them would have been interested in it, so I'm pretty sure I didn't see it in the theater. So it was probably, as I recall, this was one of those ones that when it came to HBO got played, like, constantly, and I think that's where I discovered it. But that's just a guess. But whenever I did discover it, I've I've always uh, really loved it ever since. Pleasant's eggs. You want more eggs? I got plenty of eggs. You like eggs? I like eggs. <laughs> so all he does is eat in this movie. What the hell kind of magnifying glass is that? It's like it's made out of a dinosaur bone or something. It's a bone. Yeah, it's an antler. In the old days, there were a lot that up until the eighteen, you know, late eighteen hundreds, into the early nineteen hundreds. Antlers were like used for handles for a lot of right, things. Yeah. A lot of, um, cutlery, especially, you know, um, or, you know, forks, knives, and spoons and stuff. Now, what's really funny in this, and of course, this is, you know, as you say, this is an adaptation more of uh, the famous play than it is of the, of the book or the original novel. But I found it interesting that they switched 
the roles of Mina and Lucy because Mina is actually supposed to live and she was the one that was um, Jonathan's girlfriend and all. Because if you, if you remember in um, League, of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the vampire lady was Mina Harker. Right. She was Jonathan Harker's widow that had become a vampire herself. But in this, they switched it up, and Mina is the one that's dying. She's a Van Helsing, and it's Lucy that that lives to become Dracula's bride. So it's kind of kind of weird that they switched. I think roles. that's well. I think that's back to the book. Oh, is it? Yeah, I think that's how it was in the book. I'll have to check, but I think it was. And they don't mention it, it's in the book. They have the whole section of when you know uh, um, Mina's a a vampire and eating babies, and they call her the Bluefer Lady. Hmm. And all these little kids have stories of the Bluefer Lady trying to you know pull them into the fog. The book spreads out the timeline, you know, over. This scene is always kind of Long time. made me scratch my head because you have this shot they keep cutting to, the slow-mo shot of Dracula riding in and the pounding hoofbeats of the horse and everything, and it's really cool. And then he just trops up here. It's like, <laughs> what? So there's a lot of build-up for not a very dynamic entrance. It's just kind of strange. It's a very nice... Those were both very nice shots, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's this guy? He seems, or they seem like they take an instant dislike to each oh, other, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Dracula, being 500 years old, see, is, is like, there's something up with this guy. You know, mm-hmm. there's something up with this old guy. He's either on to me or he's got a whiff. Yeah. He's got a whiff that's something up. He's he's I don't like the way this guy's eyeballing me right now. See his hair like that's not so bad. The more the you know, wind blown, not you know, perfectly coiffed and everything, right. you know, with hairspray and you know, he's been to the salon. I guess he could chalk it up to um him being European and ostentatious or something, but Possibly. the problem with it is it's very 70s ostentatious. You know, right. it's very at home in the disco. And plus, this guy directed Saturday Night Fever. Right. So it had a little bit of like John Travolta light, you know, to I it. I wonder, you know, given, given some age now, because this movie's now what? 30 uh, something years old. 30 what, 34? 34 years old. I wonder if the years have been kind to it. I wonder how other people look, you know, view this movie now with some hindsight. Because, again, I, I think it holds up extraordinarily well. I wonder how many people actually discover it, you know, or, like, actively look it up. Because it's not something you see a lot in, like, bargain DVD bit, you know? To somebody right. who say, oh, I wonder what the 79 Dracula... I'm I sure though. Find... I actually, I'm sure there's horror fans who are like, okay, well, I have to check out this version of Dracula, and 
I'll bet you they probably liked it. Those are trade beads hanging from her her uh, mirror there. Well, for showing her, her tits at Mardi Gras? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> Take it off. Yeah, yeah. Keep going, you baby. That. You don't need that dress. It's hot in here. <laughs> so stifling. <laughs> At least they don't portray Pleasance as a total, like, weaselly coward like he usually is. He's just kind of a disgusting, cynical guy from probably working and being in the madhouse all the time. He shines like silver. Oh, he's going to break him in like in Legend of the Lone Ranger. This is going to be awesome. Ooh, Donald Pleasance? <laughs> It could be the same damn horse for all we know. Mmm, uh, nice juicy mm, book. Supper time. Mmm, <laughs> mmm. Nice teeth. What the hell is wrong with what? England? Do they not have any dentists over there or what? They just asked that horse, what's three plus two? <laughs> I love this. I love Just, like, music. the random help animal. Hey, idiots over here. Yep. <laughs> Are you not listening to me? That piece of music's not on the album, which really stinks, because I love that piece of music. I would imagine they've got to be running out of soundtracks to keep mining for these special editions all the time, so hopefully eventually... This isn't a bad little special effect right here either, where he forms out of the fog. No, it's, it's not, not great. Did you ever watch Salem's Lot. You know, years ago, I am I am due to watch that again because that the was nightmare bad scene in that one was a scene just like this with a window, and you had the fog. Although you can see this the little jet things for the fog behind him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I saw you can that. See how too. each one of them's coming out of its own little hose, but um. Blood. I mean business this time. I got my shirt unbuttoned, baby. He should have one of those big medallions like Bones had when he beamed up. Yeah, exactly. In motion picture, that'd be great. Big gold disco chain. But um, in in Salem's Lot, they had the scene was like you had the fog in front of the window, and they must have had the kid on some sort of pole and wheel thing because he just sort of like comes straight up into the window out of the fog and starts scratching on the window and it's creepy as hell <laughs> I don't need this silly cape see I think this scene is working really well and then th this is my this is the one scene in this movie I don't like because it's working really well and then it just goes <laughs> so 70s cheese it's like what what you know i love it i know where you, i know what you're talking about i love that i love it it's it's because it's um this movie is so straight up and all of a sudden you have that in it but it's where they're both in like they're in a different place you know it's sort of uh yeah they're in the opening to a james bond movie that's where they are <laughs> exactly. but, you know what it reminds me of? 
The music to E.T. crossed with the end of the black hole. Yeah. I'll give you that. Where Maximilian's up on the mountaintop. <laughs> right. Oh, don't do it. Don't do it. Ow. Oh, God. Yeah, this is the only part I don't... This literally was filmed by the guy that used to film the iconic openings to James Bond movies. That's why it oh, looks really? like this. Yes, I, I can't oh, remember the yeah, guy's so... name. But yeah, it, it should be playing like all-time high right now or something. Yeah. We're in our day, baby! Yeah. And then we got this stupid bat. Bat finger! <laughs> bat finger! <laughs> a bat! Can you believe that? <laughs> I should be playing Thunderball by uh, Tom Jones. That would be awesome. His bat likes to watch. <laughs> what was that? That's her hand in such ecstasy that he has to reach out and grab it. No, this just shows their... <laughs> Eternal passion. It does isn't look like they're going to hell at the end of the black hole. Sex. This was like for me, doesn't it? It looks like they're going to hell from the end of the black hole. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ah, was it good for you, Dracula? Hey, where's your smokes at? I was just gonna say she lights up a cigarette. <laughs> I think that happens in Love at First Bite, actually. Ow! Don't be doing that. See, the, this the scene in uh, Coppola's Dracula is similar, very similar in execution, and also similar in silliness. I, I mean, got brighter in it. Other than the stupid red light thing, I, I like the scene. I love the music. It's just that. That swirly light thing is just. Uh. <laughs> I like the swirly lights. Go towards the swirly light, Caroline. We couldn't do this during the daytime. I know. <laughs> Let's pick the daytime when they sleep. That would be a good idea, right? Good plan. Good uh, plan of attack there, do you think, Van Helsing? You know, good idea. Maybe take. Go to bed and get up in the morning when the sunlight's out. You think might be a good idea? No. No. Daylight. My coffin has an escape hatch. <laughs> we just happened to build the graveyard over the mines. What fools we are! So wait, when they dug that down, that hole had to be there, right? Yeah, they never noticed it. Yeah, they never noticed it. Like all these graves are digging are like. They've never had, like, oh, we've lost three grave diggers into the mines. <laughs> Maybe we should put the cemetery over there, away from the mines. <laughs> but it's all because they're all, it's all, you know, they're compacting it in. Right. I mean, this take took place in the books in, like, her catacomb. She was in a... You know, a seal, you know, one of those buildings with the cement. Oh, uh, uh, mausoleum? Mausoleum, yeah. yeah. But they're condensing it all, and it works, you know. It, it, it keeps all the elements of the story 
and all the elements that count, you know. The book is like one of those shamelessly padded books from that time period where they spend five chapters saying something they could say in a paragraph or two. Right. Almost literally. It's it's really overlong and wordy and flowery. And I'm, uh, I'm ashamed to say it, but I've I've never read the original Dracula. I think I started it once, and yeah, it was, it was too much of a slog for me. I was I was a persistent and stubborn reader when I was young, and I was like, I'm going to get through. You know, I didn't want to leave books unfinished if I if even if I didn't necessarily like them or was having difficulty with it. All right, now find, is this a nitpick here? Rewarding to to read this book though. Now, vampires don't cast a reflection, right? Does that go for puddles of water, too? Guess not. Apparently not. This used to creep me the hell out when I was a kid. Now this reminds me of Evil Dead. Yeah. I'll eat your soul. Swallow this. (laughs) (laughs) A little hope. My neck. She's taking her time, though. Luckily, (laughs) you see, this is this is usually Donald Pleasance isn't much of a like man of action. Usually, he's you know it's like little hop, and he's like scurrying out of the. (laughs) This is the evil Ed scene in Fright Night. Yes, does the exact same thing. Ow. Now is this that is through this. the heart. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, that's more for, through the gut. So then I was thinking, it's a trick, <laughs> you know. I was right. expecting her eyes it's to open right there. Yeah, her eyes to open, Evil Dead style. Well, I mean, I really hate to nitpick this one because I really, really like this movie. But I did notice some. See, I like this part. His wailing yeah. there is just heartbreaking. It's very convincing. Yeah. It's sad. Well, but yeah, later he, on, when they're operating on her in the cemetery in the daylight, I might add, which again, why couldn't they? Very, oh, by the way, this is the first normal. time I ever heard this expression, and it cracked me up. He says, "Sorry to knock you up," which is what they say over there, meaning you know, I, I knocked and woke you up, you know, got you up out of bed. But the first time I heard that, it just cracked me up. I'm like, what the hell did he just say? I know, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and his maid. <laughs> but, uh, oh, damn it, what was I going to talk about? Oh, when they're working on her in the daylight and he takes her heart out, that, by default, if they had pull, if, it, if she had been staked through the heart and they pulled the stake out, she should come back to life, right? I think that's what you're supposed to, I think you're supposed to stake him through the heart, behead him. Right, and then and then either burn them or you bury them on like with their head on opposite sides of running right. water. There's a whole right, yeah, I know <laughs> whole thing but, you got to do. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you know there's there's contradictions in the lore, yes. but one of the things that most of the vampire stories tend to agree on is you know you stake them through the heart and that kills them, but if you remove the stake, they'll come back. So. For one, it, it, again, it didn't really look like it was her heart that they stabbed her through. But then well, the later, rem- when they're operating on her, there is no stake in her. So this scene, this this scene is in the Coppola movie, and it's really squirmy and gross. <laughs> 
We're like, we have this new technology where we can put blood into somebody else. <laughs> and rub them against the inside of all doors and windows. Crush them against the glass. So rub what now? I like this guy's just like, whatever, you pay me. <laughs> no, it's okay. She needs more than he he just looks like Jeff Foxworthy to me. <laughs> it's hard to do. <laughs> Are you smarter than Jim? Jim, 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 Jim. <laughs> That'd be awesome if they all go out to fly a kite at the end of the movie. <laughs> This is a great, great scene. Now to get smashed. <laughs> what a day, huh? <laughs> oh, I just staked my dead daughter. I really like this scene. At least he didn't do a stupid, like, I gotta give up the sauce type. <laughs> I did not hear you come in, See, he's the one doing the Lugosi-style accent, so I think it's really good that Jella's not doing that same accent, because then it'd be a little bit much. Watch out! I really hated that vase. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a fake. <laughs> I love the look on his face. Yeah. That's that's like dad's gonna give you a whooping look. Yep. Yeah, they're two two old enemies from the old country squaring off. Yep. I feared it might, my friend. Would you care to see what I have prescribed for her? Supposedly there was a Dracula made in two thousand and nine. I wonder if it was any good. I'm assuming it probably wasn't or it wouldn't. That's a great scene. Would have heard about it. I was on YouTube last night trying to look for whole vampire movies to put up, and I found this. So people can go... And when when we put up this episode, I'll I'll put up the link to YouTube so people could actually watch it on YouTube. And oh, is it on YouTube? Yes, it is. I had to do a little searching. It was named kind of funny, hmm. so that they could get away with it. But it's on there. I found I found the Coppola version, and then I found a lot of just wacky vampire movies. You know, like nudie vampire movie. You know, seventies. <laughs> That were semi scary, but they were uh, an excuse to have naked ladies. I love. What's funny is that this. Hammer had, I had got like it seemed like a million Dracula movies. They're hard like, to find on. Only one of them's worth a crap. The very first one's not bad. I don't think that Christopher Lee makes the best Dracula. He's and by today's standards, if you watch it, you'll end up laughing your ass off more than you'll end up like scared or, or going, "Wow, that was cool" or anything. It's just really cheesy. <gasps> but uh, see, I love this part. Although the transformation to the wolf is a little bit cheesy looking. As long as it's not CGI. 
Yeah, that's true. Again, a little cheesy, but yeah. I'll take a practical effect over CGI any day these days. I'm kind of CGI'd out at this point. Yeah. But um, yep. but anyway, I'm, the the like, I'm trying I to think of the name. Yeah, it's better. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Horror of Dracula. I think is the name of it. The first one. And like I say, it's it's not bad. It's it's a pretty workmanlike, you know, adaptation. But like I say, Christopher Lee. I don't know. It might be. It might be. I don't know. Maybe a little unfair. To say that it's you know it's not that good because I mean arguably that's the most famous thing he ever did was playing Count Dracula you know that's why he was Count Dooku in Star Wars but I just the last time I watched that I was like holy shit is this cheesy I mean it's like super super cheesy but it had some good stuff in it because um, I forget what role he plays maybe Harker I forget but uh, Michael Gao who was Alfred in um, Oh in yeah, Tim Burton Batman movies. He's in that. And he's not too bad in it either. He's very, you know, he's very earnest, like he always is. But see, I I don't understand why she looked so well preserved because she was looking pretty ragged as a vampire. Right, that should be like her better state. Usually, you degrade down <laughs> when you're right. a vampire and destroyed. So it's weird. Count Dracula is some hideous monster. Don't expect you to believe anything but what is. Yeah, this was a different time when you could just have a body laid out in the graveyard and people messing around with it. I don't know. These guys want to play with the body a little bit. They say she might be a vampire. They have her lips all muted down, too. I just noticed that. That's actually a nice touch. Although I think she just moved. I would too if they're getting ready to to uh, cut in. Oh, don't worry, just cutting into my daughter's heart. Yeah, could you do that? She don't mind. She's dead. <laughs> Those two just looked at each other like, "Wait, what the hell's going on now? What? Wait, wait, wait what? No, it's not possible. What? I mean, I, I see what's going on here that, you know, he, he feel, fears for her soul and everything. I, I can see that, but man, how tough would that be to, to carve into your own kid like that, you know? Yeah. I'd ask one of those guys to do it, actually. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Probably. I'll be up at the house. Just let me know when it's all done, all right? Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, this is all going on, and Aunt Harriet's just sitting there reading <laughs> Uh, can I be excused? Ah, don't be doing that! Ow! Ah, I hate that. I want to put a little alcohol on that neck there, lady. <laughs> Would you be kind enough to make me a cup of tea? I feel rather cold. No wonder. The doctor's orders were that you should stay in bed. But how he thinks I can Thank you, Aunt B. I don't know. <laughs> Run along now, Mary Poppins. <laughs> the minute she's gone, she, phew, she's gone. What the hell is that thing? It looks like a dinosaur attacking something. What is that? It looks almost like Cthulhu or something. 
Were there any normal houses back in this time? Obvious, apparently not. Was everybody rich? Plus, they got the freaking nut house attached to their house. Yeah. I mean, I live here with my family. (laughs) I don't have the most sane household all the time, but I don't have a legitimate nut hatch actually attached to the house. Although, that would be great for getting homework done. It's just like. You guys are sleeping in the nut hatch tonight. This is a great stunt right here. Watch this horse. The poor horse just slams into the bump right into the car. <laughs> what are you doing? Where are you going? Get out of my way, Jonathan. There. Now you must. And then, then the horse is just standing there like, what? He's no danger. In stop mode. I like her, uh, her Lily Munster outfit there with the little, like, bat wings on the collar. Yeah, it's creepy looking. He's a monster, a vampire. You don't know him like I know him. <laughs> it's not so bad once you get to know him, really. Sensitive. <laughs> she horse whips him. I love this. Take that, you old bastard. <laughs> eh, shut up. I love that line. Um, shouldn't somebody, somebody be calling smack her already? He uses the Vulcan mind probe to get her to calm down. Our minds. Did you know that's how you calm down any hysterical woman? You just oh, rub her you punch him in like the mouth. No. Rub their temples like that. First, you got to get two other grown men to hold them down. I'm too busy trying to rub something else in half the time. Then you calmly rub their temples and they just go to sleep. Okay, this is the scene with Charlie and Peter approaching the, the house across the street. And oh, yeah. Yep, oh, giant bat head. This is the place. Sure we got the right place? Yeah. <laughs> Chooses this place. I don't know. It looks a lot like the Jones place down the street. Cemetery right in the backyard. Yep, this is the place. All right. Liam. A, all right. There's a Knight of oh. Crusade. Corpse or two. Ark of the Covenant. There you go. We got the right place. Aren't there health laws about having open coffins and decayed corpses in your house. Isn't that a biohazard of some sort? Maybe it was good luck in those days. That's what I heard. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) It's just like, oh, an empty shelf put a skull on it. (laughs) I know. Every empty shelf. They just (laughs) dumped their relatives in the basement to rot. Martha Stewart's just like, got a dull old <laughs> Gather up a few leaves and skulls and we'll get it looking nice and tidy. Alright. I think we're getting warmer. Warmer. I wish we could read to say that this says Dracula on it. <laughs> For Geely, it's from Italy. <laughs> oh, that'd be hysterical if they opened it up and it was one of those giant leg lamps. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Packed in straw. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That's oh, this is one of those. He's just coming, just brush his teeth, take a piss, and <laughs> go to bed. He should have jammies with little bats all over. <laughs> little bats on him. <laughs> a little wolfy, like uh, like Eddie Munster. <laughs> yeah. A little stuffed wolfy. I was just headed to bed, you assholes. A couple hey, comic that- books. I love this. That's just like Fright Night, where I think it's Peter tries to use the crucifix on the vampire, and he starts laughing at him. Remember, he says, you have to have faith. You gotta have heart. I love that line. He's just like, keep talking, I'm just gonna go over here for a minute. See, I think that movies have forgotten that vampires would be damn scary. Now they're all sparkly and stupid. And well, there's either sparkly or stupid. There, there's no in between. There's no, it's sparkly or stupid, or they're like demonic. <laughs> Abracadabra, hocus cadabra, abracabocus. Whoa, dude. Your face is like looks like a piece of felt with some red paint smeared Good move, asshole! You busted the one light in the place. <laughs> That's, that was kind of an Evil Dead scene. <laughs> yeah, just never go to the bats. But you know, the modern vampires are almost like. They're already like half demon creatures sometimes, where right. they're just like already badass. And I think the the scariest thing about vampires is they're <laughs> give, give me a kiss. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if he just brained him with a shovel? I see again. They do the same thing in Fright Night. Yeah. That's great right there. Yikes! See, they don't have enough of the charming, you know, human... You know, you gotta have the charming human vampire. And then when he shows his real colors, you can put the, like... You can make him look like he just crawled up out of the depths of hell. Congratulations, you have rabies. Leave a mark. <laughs> I have this thing called a bandaid. Just one wafer thin mint. Where the hell did he get that from? Yeah, he just carries him around when he gets hungry. <laughs> Looks like the Horda killed somebody inside that coffin. He's got the little freeze dried. Co- See, there's the saluting guy again. It's going to be you one day. <laughs> I don't know if I'll particularly be him, but I could be, yeah, I could be the guy with the, like, teddy bear head on my head walking around. <laughs> That's a great line. Maybe I'll think I'm Captain Kirk. See, earlier, 
Van Helsing took exception to the fact that what's his face there? The doctor was going to give that same medicine to Mina. Yes. And now he asked him if he gave his daughter that. He said, "My own daughter, certainly not." I just think I, that's a great line. Yeah. Ah, nice padded cell. I could so use one of these right now. So soft and quiet. Did you bring crayons? I've been asking for crayons. <laughs> they only let me write with my feet. I wish it said kill Clouseau all over the walls. <laughs> I would love that shit so much. Ah, jeez, just mop down the walls once in a while. And how many people are just bleeding in that place? Or I don't know what that fluid is, but I, maybe I don't want to know. It's black mold. It's really not good for you. Yeah, it's just like they're like, oh, find a few old mattresses. We're making a padded cell. <laughs> Try and get ones with a little less bum piss this time. If you can. She is kind of cute. I meant to look her up to she's see what else she's been in. She's got a Kathleen Turner look to her. Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah. Classic old-timey hot actress, yeah. Yep. Yep. Her hairdo is very Kathleen Turner there. Maybe that's what's doing it. But she's crazy. Of course she is. Aren't they but all deep she down? She didn't have home? to go far from home, right? <laughs> she can visit any time. Yeah. Bring me maybe like a little crunchy rat or something. <laughs> what is that shit on your face? <laughs> you got a little bit of cranberry on your face. <laughs> it's okay. It's just a bat bite. <laughs> you know you're a redneck when you get a bat bite on your left cheek. <laughs> Let's share the rabies, baby. <laughs> I learned a few new tricks. See, again, she has a very, like, uh, vampirous-type outfit on. Yeah, and, well, meanwhile, he's just like, no, no, stop being so sexy. Dear God, I must fight her sexiness. Yeah, ditch this dude. He ain't gonna be no fun. She's using her her Jedi mind trick powers on him, just yeah. like Yeah. There you go. Yeah, use the Force, Kathleen Turner. Why the hell does this not ever happen to me? That's what I want. Why are we watching Kathleen Turner and Jeff Foxworthy make out? That's <laughs> what I want to know. Here you go. Here's another scene straight out of Fright Night. You got to be a little eye. nervous when they yeah! when they grab onto your neck with both hands like that. Oh, eventually they all suck the blood out of you, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> In a no, past another room. episode I can't let the wife listen to. <laughs> no, no, no. Never neutralize her. <laughs> Simon Ben Elder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Eh? Why doesn't it burn her? That's what I want to know. Is yeah. it because she's a half vampire? Yeah, because she hasn't really died yet. It just freaks her out. 
<laughs> but now she a little smiley it. face at the top of it. It almost looked like it had something, some indentation in the very top that looked like a little smiley face. Smile, you're only half vampire. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be all vampire. Stay away from those bugs, Peter Jackson. That's right, I'm about to come over here and kick your ass. <laughs> those bugs, give me those bugs. I want to put them in a deleted scene of King Kong. <laughs> did, did you ever see... What the hell's the name of that movie? Joe's Apartment? Yes. The Cockroaches? Yes, the... This guy would have. This guy would have, towel. <laughs> he would have put a different wrinkle on Joe's apartment. <laughs> Renfield's apartment underneath. Yeah. <laughs> it's a full moon every night in England. You ever notice sure, that? Why not? And foggy. Although it's only apparently only rained once, <laughs> I think uh, here is not very realistic. Cut yourself shaving there, dude. <laughs> God, not hatch well, is this? Just let this guy sleep on the floor here. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> guy looks familiar too I think there's only five or six British actors at a time so <laughs> see them all I love this part ah shit keeps up this will be me one day nice little sleek playful kitten it's not so bad <laughs> this is a great, great scene. And I'd call him George. <laughs> and I'd hug him and pet him and pat him and. Wouldn't it be funny if Robin stuck his head in? Sorry, <laughs> wrong window. <laughs> Dracula's climbing up the wall, and Sammy Davis Jr. opens up one of the windows. All right, you have a nice night. <laughs> Just to tell him you got magic powers and to go away. Have a nice night. <laughs> oh God, help my poor soul. Great scene, though. I really like this part. Yeah. Renfield. Renfield's always one of my favorite characters. That is one freaky looking dude <laughs> there in the bed. That's next like time. Fish Lady's brother. <laughs> Maybe that's the husband. <laughs> yeah. Well, judging by the two of them, maybe it's a good thing that baby didn't make it to a full grown adult life. I look like Don Knotts. <laughs> and that's how the incredible Mr. Limpet was created. <laughs> Or against me. Don't punish me. Torture me. I deserve it. But please, 
I'm it's trying to think of what Renfield. Oh, I guess it's because he tried to escape. That's why. Yeah. Ow! A nice night. <laughs> you know who that guy looks like? The guy in his in his cell there. It looks like the guy in the Popeye movie. <laughs> Where they take his head, Bluto takes his head and squashes it down <laughs> into his shoulders. I like how everybody at, at the at the asylum always ends up clapping too when anything happens. Dracula! <laughs> no, no, Santa Claus, you idiot! <laughs> Wouldn't you think the guy guarding the door would have to have a key? You'd think. But it looks like a Mickey Mouse lock. Well. Somebody turn that fog machine down. That's a great shot right there, too. Crawling away together. (laughs) You moron. (laughs) That was great. No. What are you, stupid? <laughs> now where's his horse? Now's the time he actually needs that horse, and he doesn't have it. This music, this this theme really reminds me of something else, too, and I can't remember what it is. Yeah. Although, you know, I mean, it's just so full of John Williamsism. Williamisms or whatever Williamsisms, right? It somewhat reminds me of uh, of the bicycle riding music in ET, like when they're in the woods yes. and stuff. Yes. Yes, very much so. I hear an awful lot of uh, of Jaws too in this one as well. I, that's a score, another score of his that I think is really good, but very uh, underrated. Underappreciated, yeah. Well, I think that's one of those the score to Jaws too to be any good. You know, that's the thing is I, I think that everybody just assumes ah it's Jaws, it's just more dun 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 dun, and he went out of his way to make the score to that movie very 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 differentiated from the first one and he did a great job and just gets like no recognition for it whatsoever it's really it's a standalone score it's really good i just i love the look of this movie like scenes like this just i mean that's great yeah it's a very it's a composed artistically composed scene mm-hmm I like this scene too. What's funny though is it's like such an emergency, but this guy's like got his jacket all on right and his hat and his goggles and everything. He didn't just jump behind the wheel and start riding. He got all dressed up and geared up. Right. That crate big enough for the both of them? Looks a little small, doesn't it? Looks a little snug for two people. Uh, 
Well, yeah. <laughs> Hurry up! This has a little Raiders to it, too. Just the way the scene is and the music. That's true, yeah. See Indiana Jones. It's a little bit like. of uh, of uh, Last Crusade too, with yes. the uh, with the the motorcycle with the sidecar and all that. <laughs> what? Oh shit! What are those now squealing on? On mud, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's driving like an Indy 500 car or something. Man, this guy, I'm hiring this guy when I need to move. <laughs> Most people would be just like, screw it, man, take it. I, you know, they'll pay me enough. Although I'm sure Dracula does pay pretty well. <laughs> Whoa, Nelly! It's nicely shot, though. Some really nice cuts. Uh-oh, watch out for the rock! <laughs> Ow! Oh, they busted Chitty Chitty Bang Bang! dead Jim. It'll be alright. <laughs> oh wait, that's the A-team. <laughs> okay, this part's a little bit silly. They walk ten freaking miles to get to the dock? Really? How long does it take to walk ten miles? Especially if you're far. I don't know. Trying means walking. <laughs> That's all right. I didn't like her all that much anyway. Yeah, this is plenty of fish in the sea. Where is it? Where is it? I just sit in my boat all day, <laughs> standing <laughs> looking at people. You stay here in case they are well. Bye. Take care. It's a Commodore's boat. <laughs> oh, we got to get to that eventually, oh, too. Oh, I'm telling you. Haul ass! Haul ass! <laughs> Excuse me, vampire on board. <laughs> what did he say? Get away! Get the hell out of here! He picks up something to brain him with too. Huh? Oh, what? Count who? Yeah. So? No vampires here. Yeah. Frank Nesbitt's also on this ship. What's your problem? Hey, come back here! You notice too that no nobody from the crew follows them down there. Yeah. A bunch of sailors would go to 
beat the crap out of him. Yeah, they're, but, I mean, they're down there just nosing around, and they're fighting Dracula and making all this noise, and nobody comes to investigate <laughs> anything that's going on. <laughs> eh, eh, too much work. <laughs> that's cool. Creepy. Somebody ate some beans. Phew! <laughs> <laughs> That's my girlfriend, you son of a bitch. That's cool. Yeah. But doesn't he know once you go Drac, you never go back? <laughs> Punch her in the head. I think he does smack the shit out of her here in a second, doesn't he? What? You woke him up. Ow. Ow. That did not look like him. Was that him? No, it looked like a stun actor for sure. That's cool. It's a nice effect with the squibs on the wall behind him. It really, that was very yeah. effective. Oh! Bitch slap big time! I would not have done that. <laughs> yeah, here, have a hook. Bad. Stop it! You like a grape. This is one very wussy throw that just happens to work. Ow! <laughs> Come on, yeah, right through the spine. <laughs> Great scene, though. Come on, Jonathan, put it together, dude. I love the sounds, Dracula. <laughs> what? What? Wait, what? Huh? That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I hate mornings. <laughs> Like she's Little gonna want to date him. Get that right out. What? Like she's gonna want to date him after this. Yeah, no kidding. Now I had always thought that the last shot of him in this movie, he was a skeleton, and I was really freaked out to watch this again yesterday. And, and that either that's in some weird like TV extended cut, or I was just remembering it wrong. But I could have swore. That he keeps degrading right down to a skeleton at some point. Now he's just going like picture of Dorian Gray style. Yeah. Eh, Don't should be alright. You'll never have an orgasm again. <laughs> I've made sure of it. Thank you. Now, Van Helsing is dead, right? I would assume so. I would, too. That is very... Um, they're, they're not well, exactly not going out of their way to rush him to the hospital, but I don't imagine <laughs> that would do much good during this time, either. You right. Know? 
Well, the so, other reason I ask is I was reading a synopsis of this somewhere, and I forget where it was, Wikipedia or somewhere. And, I, you know, I, I went in to look up actors. But I just happened to notice, like, the last line was something about, you know, Van Hel- you know, Dracula wounds Van Helsing. And I'm thinking, no, I'm pretty he's dead. is technically a wound at first. <laughs> uh, there's such a thing as a fatal wound, I guess. Right. But, yeah, wound usually means not kills. Right. Yeah, I'm he, trying to think of the way it was specifically worded, but it was worded in a way that if you didn't watch the movie and just read the synopsis, you would not get the gist that, no, he he dead. He's gone. Now, are we supposed to... How are we supposed to look at this here? This is this is Dracula getting... It's a, up in the it? air. It's up in the air. It could just be his cape flying off like a kite. But she's kind of like... So, like, ooh, yeah. so he's still alive. But at the same time, she's in the sun, which would say that he should be dead because she's freed from right the vampire's control. Yeah, you know, I think it was being traditional, not with the Dracula story, but with Dracula movie tradition. Right. Of leaving it open, however, you know, right. abstractly for a sequel. Because he always comes back. That's the thing. Yeah. There was never a sequel to this, unfortunately, but, uh, but the, he always comes back somehow or right. other. I just noticed that... Uh, when it showed that last shot of the uh, the ship there, that uh, Poop Deck Pappy was still right alongside of it, too. I didn't notice that before. I still think it's a fantastic flick. I really yes. do. I enjoy this one. And that's why the music sounds so good. It's the London Symphony Orchestra. It's one of the better, if not... In general... I don't know. It's hard to say what the best, like... Dracula adaptation is. I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of the original Bela Lugosi one. No. See, I'm not a big Dracula fan. I think you had to be there. I, I, you know, yeah, exactly. I, I definitely think that's one of those phenomenons where you know we we just we grew up so far after it that yeah, you kind of had to be there kind of thing. But you know, I'm I'm not the biggest Dracula fan either. I mean, I've I've seen a good number of the different adaptations and all, but this is by far my favorite one. But um, I always, you know, I mean, he's just not my favorite monster or anything. But I I do like it when he when I when I think he's handled well. Where again, I mean, a vampire to me should be damn scary. But also, the thing I like about this is that. Not only is he scary, but I think it really, really nicely gets the feel of frightening, but also, you know, he's suave, he's debonair, he's, you know, he's got the whole ladies' man thing going and all. I like well, that. It's I, like we talked about in um, Fright Night. It's mm-hmm. the, 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 the thing that really gets you disturbed about these kinds of vampire movies isn't that he's a monster like a lot of times now vampires are like oh they're monsters coming out after you when the sun goes down right but this one he's coming after the people that are important to you you know right and he's not coming and killing them in the night he's seducing them right he's he's bringing them to him you know and it put you know it pushes a lot of like innocence lost buttons and stuff like that and and you know, um, appeals to ladies' love of the bad boy. 
I do. You know, I, I mean, hmm? that that was the whole thing of the original Dracula stage play. Is the ladies, you know, the ladies got their their knickers in a twist over um, <laughs> Bella Lugosi, and the idea of getting bitten in the neck, penetrated. Hmm. Well, I know. Uh, let's see. We're at uh, what? This is October. Oh, okay, that's right. I was going to say, I was almost going to say the wrong movie for next month. Um, for next month, are we still sold on doing uh, Thor since Thor Two is coming out? Yeah, do Thor, and then I was just talking had- about how I wanted to watch that again to prep up for Thor Two. Cool, that works for me. See right, what so I we'll think do- about it the second time. We'll do Thor. What did you think of it the first time? Did you like? I it? liked it the first time. Yeah. I do too. I, like I enjoy that one a lot. There's uh, there's one scene in there I don't care for, but other than that, I dig that movie a lot. I, I, um, I they did a really yeah, really we good had, job. We had talked about um, in December that um, Saving Mr. Banks was coming out, and I think we kicked around the idea of doing possibly doing Mary Poppins, but I'm not. What do you think about that one? I don't know if I'd have. I, I don't know how much talking. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not sure on that one. I'd like to do something Disney related. I, you know, and that's the obvious one because that's what that new movie is going to be about. But yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. Maybe if someone could think of something Disney and Christmas related at the same time for December, we could hit a double whammy with it. Possibly. Possibly. Well, we we definitely know we want to do Thor. Beyond that, we'll uh, we'll kick it around. We'll we'll figure out what we're going to do. In the meantime, you know, you guys can uh, you know go into the uh, Facebook group, and uh, if you've got suggestions, let us know what you think. If you'd like to hear us do Mary Poppins, let us know. But uh, I don't know. I'm torn. I, on the on the one hand, I think it could be a whole lot of fun, and on the other hand, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. It so. could get mighty dirty with me around. <laughs> oh, we ought to get Michael. We ought to get Michael Bailey on. Ooh, Mary Poppins is like. Oh, that's right. That lights, yeah, it lights his fire, doesn't it? No, he's a Julie Andrews fan. <laughs> I think we need to keep it clean for that particular show. <laughs> Although <laughs> that could be a lot get of Michael questions. Bailey's Mary Poppins fan fiction at the beginning of it. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com, 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please... Use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.